Welcome to NC15 from CFA Society, North Carolina. I'm your host, Pedro Bernal. This podcast brings you an unbiased lens on finance and investing through short conversations. Our guests are the most interesting and accomplished people. In a concise format, we discuss the top issues or salient questions impacting our guests. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Anders Person. Anders is Chief Investment Officer, Head of Nuveen Global Fixed Income, and is responsible for overseeing all portfolio management, research, trading, and investment risk management activities. He is also a member of the Nuveen Global Investment Committee. Nuveen, a TIAA company, manages approximately $1.2 trillion in several investment asset classes worldwide. Prior to his current role, he was Head of Global Fixed Income Portfolio Management and Head of Research. Before joining the firm, he was a founding member of the team that established SG Cowan's European high-yield effort in London, and later worked to establish the high-yield research effort within Schroeder's Investment Management. He has also worked as a sell-side high-yield research analyst at Wells Fargo. Anders graduated with a BS from Lander College and an MBA from Winthrop University. He is a CFA charter holder, member of the CFA Institute, and CFA Society of North Carolina. We talked with Anders about his investment outlook, Nuveen's success, and how the CFA program and sound values can position you for a successful investment career. Welcome, Anders. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Pedro. Today is such a happy day for me. I get to interview one of my friends. We started our investment careers within weeks of each other at a small firm in Charlotte, and a group of us have kept up. It has been thrilling to watch you succeed over the years. We are ecstatic to have you join our NC15 podcast. Let's get started. You have performed at a top level in everything that you do through your life, including being a top athlete. In tennis, pros talk about eliminating unforced errors to win championships. How are you preparing for 2022 and the years ahead to avoid unforced errors in the investment court? Yeah, I mean, many thanks for those kind words, Pedro, and it's exciting to be here. So yeah, certainly the, the tennis or, or sports reference, avoiding unforced errors, certainly resonates with me more broadly. I, I think it's fair to say that fixed income investing, which is what I focus on, is as much about avoiding losers as it is picking winners. Avoiding losers certainly is a key factor in long-term investing success, That again, at the very least for fixed income. That said, unforced errors, at least in tennis, is sort of a Suggesting that you're making perhaps easy errors that others, better, perhaps more seasoned investors or tennis players, whatever it may be, should be making. And I think from, from an investment perspective, I'm not sure that kind of applies for 2022. I think as, as I or we at Nuveen look into 2022 and even reflect back on the past year and a half, I think what's really striking to, to me is that we're we're still in very, very unprecedented times in so many aspects. Uh, I don't think really anybody had a, a true pandemic uh, investment playbook ready to deal with and kind of ready to deal with the COVID impacted markets, not investors, not the Fed, not central banks, not the authorities. So, so certainly 2020 was a really tricky year in my mind, obviously extreme volatility, immediate lack of liquidity, but then it became very technical. It became more follow the Fed kind of type approach, at least for fixed income, more so than sort of fundamentally driven investing. This year, 2021, uh, I would say markets certainly have normalized a bit, uh, been a bit easier to navigate, but I think we can argue that it's been 
dominated more so this year by upside risk, be it economic growth being higher than expected, inflation certainly been higher than expected, interest rates been moving higher, returns, particularly stock market returns, probably higher than expected. So, so 2021, I think in our mind, has, has, has been a little bit of a beta-driven market. Um, so as we're thinking, and, and as I'm kind of preparing for 2022, I'm seeing a little bit more of a balanced outlook on one end, but at the same time, we're getting vastly different views on the street right now, be it from economists, strategists, portfolio managers, heck, even the, the Federal Reserve Committee members around oh, 2022 is going to kind of play through, be it timing of Fed hikes, be it inflation expectations, where treasuries are heading. So probably going to be some errors done by investors and even maybe policymakers in 2022 and 23. But to be fair, I'm not sure if those going to be in the unforced error camp. If we tie it back into to kind of the tennis and sports analogy, it's probably more likely to be kind of we're trying our best camp. And I think in many respects, that kind of setting us up for a really exciting 2022 from an investment perspective. We don't have much of a consensus. This really should allow us uh, and investors more, more broadly to have to really add value, add alpha. And I would stress that active management, I think, will be particularly particularly important as we go into 2022. From my perspective, expectations for 2022 are that economic growth will be holding up quite well, despite some supply side disruption. We do expect that those are going to kind of fade and mostly be addressed uh, during next year. Uh, inflation should remain and certainly are expected to remain top of mind for investors. Our view is that it's, it's not going to be fully transitory, but mostly manageable and will come down during 2022. Fundamentals should remain strong. Both uh, consumer and corporate balance sheets are very solid. Defaults we're expecting for corporations to remain very low. And we do think yields will steadily move uh, kind of modestly higher, at least throughout next year. We do expect central banks uh, are going to be more biased towards tightening. We do think the Fed will start hiking next year as well. So if you take that background and view together, we do prefer sort of corporate credit risk over treasuries, comfortable going down a little bit more low quality over higher quality. We still think shorter duration is, is preferred over lo longer duration. And we're kind of playing fixed income partly from a carry perspective and income perspective and comfortable reaching a little bit of a little bit of a yield. So I, I would say from an asset class perspective, a couple of our best ideas uh, going into 2022 are a floating rate leveraged loans. We do think they look attractive right now, given improving fundamentals and they're a little bit higher yielding and also floating rate. So certainly you have a little bit of hedge for, for potential for rising rates. And then also preferred securities, we think make a lot of sense. Uh, the main issues there are, are banks and financials, and we think they're going to have quite solid uh, fundamentals for, for, for next year. And then finally, maybe on the risk side, certainly expecting, again, interesting year, plenty of risks out there. Not surprisingly, I think COVID uh, is going to continue to be a, a key focus for investors uh, throughout next year. We're obviously seeing right now with Omicron kind of driven volatility, Fed actions, and even Fed policy errors, I think is, is at least for me, kind of the key area of focus for next year. We do expect the Fed to continue tapering, as I mentioned, hiking next year. But as we've seen in the past, when you are going through a hiking kind of type episode, that certainly can can add more volatility to, to the markets. And, and the Fed is going to be, it's going to be challenged here. It's going to have to thread a needle. And then finally, I would say geopolitical uncertainties will be uh, probably 
quite a factor next year as well. We have ongoing uncertainties, but both with China and Russia, uh, we have election cycle starting again next year with US midterm. So those are kind of some of the key areas that we're focusing for, for 2022. So one additional question with regards to your investment outlook, do you think investors have the perception of fixed income incorrect in that they're so fearful of the fixed income asset class overall? Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question, Pedro. I get asked that in various ways uh, all the time, quite frankly. It could be as you're facing or phrasing it, is it is it a good opportunity to be investing in fixed income if rates are going to be moving higher? We get asked a lot around the 60-40 mix. Do fixed income really have a role there? And firmly of the view that, that fixed income continues to play a role in a diversified uh, portfolio. I, I think we've seen here over the past several months and quarters that fixed income still have a you know kind of volatility reducing aspect of it. Um, certainly treasury has been quite volatile, but if you compare it to kind of what equities typically move up and down, at the end of the day, fixed income is a lot more stable of an asset class. But I do think you have to become a lot more thoughtful around how you approach fixed income. Taking that active approach, using asset allocation within fixed income, I think is, is going to continue to be be a lot more important and really thinking through what are you trying to to use fixed income for as a vehicle so in, in our case we are more comfortable kind of going after the credit risk, uh, more comfortable adding a little bit more yield to our portfolios, given what we're expecting from a growth perspective. We do think the Fed and central banks are going to continue to be supportive. So that also uh, allows us some comfort in going down into to a little bit more yieldy kind of type and, and lower rated type opportunities as well. So I think a fixed income at times gets a little bit of a, a, a confusing kind of type of reputation. Investors tend to focus a little bit more on equities. But as we're seeing right now, quite frankly, the treasury yield movements are, are, are driving a lot of the investment focus, including equities. You know, rightfully so, I think fixed income, therefore, is, is becoming more top of mind, you know, will have a, a key role to play during 2022 once again. TIAA Nuveen has seen dramatic growth over the last decade, and your firm is now among the top in almost every investment asset class. As chief investment officer, what should we expect from your world-class organization in the future? Yeah, so, so we certainly had an exciting several years now, both from an organic perspective, but also from acquisition-related opportunities. The TIA made a key acquisition of Naveen Asset Management back in 2014, and it, it really transformed our asset management business and, and set us up for a new path, both if, if I'm looking from an investment team perspective, as well as kind of product and distribution capabilities. With that acquisition, we actually ended up having four different teams that managed uh, overlapping fixed income uh, assets. In 2018, we started the process of combining and integrating those teams into one fixed income team. In fact, early this year, we achieved in, in a very major milestone for us, completed that multi-year journey, and now we have one fixed income team, you know, fully combined and fully integra integrated. And, you know, in my mind, we created a true powerhouse in the fixed income space. We were able to boost 
used our various teams. We rounded our product offerings, transformed us from a platform that was quite tied to, to our parent TA's general account, but now more diversified. We have sig significant scale with over 300 billion of assets under management in, in fixed income alone. More than half of that is in third-party mandates. We have roughly 125 investment professionals in six different locations here in the US and, and now also one in London. If I compare that to I think four years ago, we had two locations and roughly half the staff. Uh, so we've come a long way in, in a very short time. That integration has been very key uh, strategic initiative of, of ours and, and mine, but we're looking to take this platform to that next level and continue to grow. And in fact, we completed a strategic review of the platform earlier this year and established some both strategic and tactical priorities that we're going to be focused on in, in, in the next few years. On the tactical side, one of the key ones that we're kind of focusing on is, is making sure we can produce income and yield kind of opportunities for our clients. We're still going to be facing a fairly low yielding environment for the next few years. And we want to make sure that we have offerings that can help uh, our clients, be it you know general account professors or third-party clients to really navigate that low uh, income or, or, or kind of uh, at the very least, not as exciting income type environment. So we're very focused on areas like high yield, leveraged loans and CLOs, uh, as well as multi-sector opportunities that kind of cut across all of those asset classes to offer some yield. On the strategic side, go after our ESG and impact leadership. So as you know, Pedro, ESG is becoming a lot more in vogue right now, but Veeam slash TA actually have decades of experience investing in ESG. We already manage about $18 billion on the ESG. ESG side for fixed income. So one of the largest ESG fixed income platforms out there at this point. So we have a, a strong leadership position already there, but we're looking to expand that. We're looking to offer more asset class specific opportunities. Think ESG high yield, ESG emerging market, uh, ESG loans. We have launched some global versions of our current ESG product offerings. So that's going to be a key area of focus for us as we you know, kind of go into 2022 and beyond. We're also thinking that we have a lot of global growth opportunities for our platform. We have put together an international expansion plan. It's a five-year plan to start adding research, trading, and portfolio management capabilities abroad. We started uh, mid this year, so we hired our first two research analysts this year in London. We're adding a trader in Q1 and then building the team from, from then on. We feel very strongly that we need kind of local expertise to complement our investment capabilities here in the US. We also think there are a lot of uh, product opportunities that we can pursue both on the global kind of side and, and more local side as well. So uh, particularly now, considering ESG is, is a key focus for Europe. And then finally, particularly our international expansion, we, we will be considering inorganic opportunities as well. That could be outright acquisitions. It could be lift out of teams, but we're taking a dual track approach. We're going to focus on organically growing our, our international team first and foremost, and then opportunistically, if we have some some uh, other opportunities to consider, we'll, we'll do in that as well. Do you think the intellectual capital that you will be um, tapping into is more data science driven, more analytics, more science based versus what we have seen over the last couple of decades? Absolutely. I think markets have certainly evolved. And, and one of the key things I love about it, what we do is, is that you get constantly challenged and, and things evolve. And we are certainly evolving 
following with that as, as other investment managers are as well. A key area of focus from that perspective is, as you're kind of implying, is kind of data-related opportunities and making sure that we have access to that. And ultimately, obviously, we want to make sure we can analyze it, uh, evaluate it, and make investment decisions around it. So, so we've been boosting up already our, our quant side, our quant team, our, our kind of risk analysis team, our, our data team more broadly um, to really have that as a complement to well, ultimately for Naveen is a very active management approach, but at the same time, making sure that we have informed portfolio managers, informed traders and informed research analysts. So, you know, compared to when we started in industry, Pedro it was a little bit more true, you know, bottom up fundamental analysis. Uh, everybody more or less had access to the same kind of type of information. I think now we're firmly of the view that we need to, to really broaden that mindset and kind of look at everything that we can. And for example, during the COVID kind of type uncertainties that we've been having, making sure that we have all that kind of type data set and information related to related to, quite frankly, COVID and variants, but also supply chain, the different data we can get from kind of reopening of the economy and, and what have you. So it's become a lot more data intensive type of world. And, and really, we're trying to make sure that we have uh, our portfolio managers and research analysts and traders as, as fully informed as we can. One of the things that we do prior to each podcast is survey our members and ask them, what would you ask of our guests? So here's the question. Many of our listeners would like to know what steps you took during your career to become the success you are today. Yeah, I would say, and, and not just thinking about the audience here necessarily, but I, I, I would truly say that one of the key springboards for my career was definitely getting my CFA uh, charter. I, I came over to the US from Sweden to play tennis in college. I went to very small sort of no-name schools. And for me, getting the CFA was a great way to, to level the playing field and kind of show my employers that I had a strong base to work from, that I had a strong interest and in, in dedication to this this field, kind of investment field more broadly. So, so from that perspective, CFA was a, a fantastic first step, but it also opened up key networking connections and, and even friendships, including yours. And that's all, you know, all, obviously very important from a career perspective as well. Beyond kind of that CFA first step, you know, a few other things that, that come to mind would be that tried to be very flexible in my career path and also proactively sort of pr- pursuing career career opportunities versus sort of passively waiting around for them. And then also being willing to kind of take some career risks. Those two, three things have served me quite well. Probably would say I've been on a three to four year path to kind of change your responsibilities and, and jobs as I look back on my career. And, and quick recap, I sort of started my, my sell-side equity research analyst career, you know, working same shop as you did, and then quite quickly shift to a U.S. high yield opportunity. But then I wanted to, to further expand my skill sets. I, I decided to move to London to pursue European high yield uh, opportunities there. That European market basically got shut down. A whole team was shut down, which for me was was a very humbling kind of experience and, and it made me decide to kind of switch to asset management or the buy side. Also switch from high yield to investment grade corporates, which at the time was a pretty big step for my focus up until then. But it kind of ties into that flexibility and, and even humbleness to a certain extent. You know, you kind of have to take your career where the opportunity sets are and try to make the best of it. And I think my switch from sort of sell side investment banking to uh, asset management of 
buy side has worked out fantastically well. I've been very, very happy. I joined Naveen TA in 2005. And even since joining my company, I've always tried to be very flexible, very proactive, willing to kind of take career risks uh, at my company. And, And in other words, it doesn't mean that you have to switch employers. You can also have those kind of type approaches when you're working for your current company. And, and in my case at Naveen, I started as an investment grade research analyst, uh, quite quickly switched to back to high yield, which is a little bit more of my focus, and then expanding to leverage loans. I became a loan PM, uh, pushed to start a leverage loan platform, our CLO platforms. So I ran that for a bit. And at some point I was asked to join the leadership team. I ran a research team for a bit. I ran a portfolio management team uh, for a bit. And now I'm, you know, kind of head of fixed income CIO. So in my case, it's been a very exciting journey, a lot of changes, a lot of hard work, but you have to kind of make some, some tough career choices along the way, be willing to take some risks and, and quite frankly, be, be flexible as well. And then finally, maybe just beyond you know actual career, uh, I would say one overarching advice I always kind of tell some more junior people is you know staying humble, uh, always looking to learn and improve. I think is very very important in our field. This field that we're in, with the markets continue evolving, I always feel like you can get better, you can develop, you can improve. Be a reading you know, investment research, participate in CFA-related continuing education kind of top opportunities. But I think uh, a key takeaway of mine is that whenever you think you, you figure out the markets, they're going to change on you. That can be investment uh, opportunities or markets. It could be new products. I think this COVID-related sell-off is a perfect example. We did not have, you know, a pandemic investment playbook. Uh, nobody really did. So you have to kind of get smart on it, you know, be humble around it, uh, figure out uh, how to approach that kind of type market investing as well. And I think that's something that really keeps me very engaged and excited about the field that I'm in and, and the role that I have. Everyone describes you as modest, humble, and appreciative of the opportunities you have had. And clearly the message that you gave to us today was exactly that. Thank you for your time, Anders. Thank you so much for having me, Pedro. Great catching up. To all our NC15 listeners, we appreciate your support. We look forward to bringing you the best leaders. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate us on your favorite service provider. We love hearing your thoughts and it will help others find us. Also a reminder, past performance is no guarantee of future results. This material may contain an assessment of the market and economic environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. Forward-looking statements are subject to certain risks and uncertainties. Actual results, performance, or achievements may differ materially from those expressed or implied. This is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual. This material should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell securities or a guarantee of future results. The opinion expressed is based on information from sources believed to be correct, but no guarantee can be made to their accuracy. The information contained in this report is not written or intended as financial, tax, or legal advice. You are encouraged to seek financial, tax, and legal advice from your professional advisors.